This week's episode is brought to you by the UWM Professional Cinema Society, a group dedicated to bringing the film community at UWM together. For more information, please find our Facebook page and look out for more announcements coming up this upcoming semester. Now, on with the show. Broadcasting live from the Griffith Observatory at 4 a.m., this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm Garrett Strother. I'm Seamus Connolly. What up? I'm, I'm Ricardo. Hi. Hello. This is season two, baby. Yeah. Season two of Welcome. Pop Culture Reference. It's 2020. Everything's different. New format. New hosts. We're passing it off. <laughs> Nothing's the same. It's not about pop culture anymore. It's about... Pop filter reference. Oh, yeah. That's our... With all of our new holiday equipment here, it's all... It's all good. Hopefully it's going to sound better than usual, but I don't even want to call that out, maybe. Well, we apologize for the echo. We're recording in the Chicago Public Library right now because we don't have a proper recording studio down here in Chicago, but yeah, we, we are recording, so that's really what matters, I think. Yeah, exactly. And we're recording some very good content today, I think. This is... Uh, yeah. I'm excited to do our main stuff, but... Despite the fact that we took a week off, there wasn't really a lot of news? I was gonna say the same thing. There wasn't a ton of stuff that I saw that I thought I wanted to bring to the table today. Well, I've got the Quiet Place Part 2 trailer. I didn't even know they oh, dropped a trailer. unnecessary. Yeah, I really <laughs> liked the first Quiet Place. I like movies that give me a sandbox and play in it well. Is it the same family? It is. I'm actually pretty refreshed by this because it looks like it's gonna jump back and forth in time a little bit, or at least maybe have a prologue okay. that's set during the initial onslaught of what happened. Like, you know how they have day whatever, day whatever in oh, the yeah, first yeah. movie structure? It's going to be, they're going to show us day one and what happened the first day the monsters started yeah. taking over. And then it's a jump forward in time when it takes place right after the end of the first movie and they're fleeing their camp and they run into other humans. Well, I'm definitely interested to see, I hope you're, you know, it's, it's true about the prologue part because there's like, I think in the original, there's like, they have newspapers on the walls that are just like, mysterious objects from space crash into Earth, and then the one next to it's like, aliens, don't make noise, and then it's, they, they don't really, I don't know, I, I want to see that initial panic, that's probably going to be pretty intense stuff. There's a really bad exposition chalkboard in there. Oh, in the base, first one? In the first yeah, one, it's, yeah. It's a lot of that stuff. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'll I'm see not it. saying I'm necessarily excited, but I'm intrigued. Hey, you know what? It's another opportunity for them to uh, officially fold it into the Cloververse, so I'll, I'll give it a shot. That first one was you know, this close to being a Cloverfield movie, and they got another chance. We gonna, are we going to cover Quiet Place when that one comes out, guys, you think? Oh, that, that could be a good thing. I haven't seen the first one since uh, the theaters, yeah. and I don't know if the experience will be the same, like watching it at home, but it might, it'll probably be good to revisit. What's the release date on this one? March, March 20th. All right. Yeah, I think that's all we have to say about this. Uh, the only other bit of news that I really have is... Did you guys see that Twitter meme going around where it was 2020, like in big letters, and then there was your New Year's resolution or something that you're going to do in 2020 in the middle of the big block letters? I have not seen that, but is there something exciting? Disney Plus jumped on that bandwagon and oh. tweeted out WandaVision. Oh, yeah. yeah that got bumped up. 
thank yes, goodness. So I'm very excited for WandaVision, despite the absolutely terrible name for that show. <laughs> oh, it's... I'm hoping that they'll justify that in some way. Yeah, like... I'm uh, excited. Uh, Everything about it just sounds so weird. Parts of it are going to be shot in front of a live studio audience. It's yep. weirdly... Oh, what? Got sitcom influences mm-hmm. for no reason. It's going to be dimension hopping. It'll be fun. Yeah, I, I'm excited for this for the same reason. I'm excited for Multiverse of Madness, just because it's like, they're going weird with Marvel, and that's, you know... They're at that time. They're in that territory. They've done everything conventional they can, and they can do the weirdest stuff now, and we're, we're all captive. Well, when it comes out, we'll be doing our weekly recap of that, too. Oh, so. there's going to be so many Marvel show recaps on this show. It's going to be too <laughs> much when they're all out at once. Yeah, it's going to be a little overwhelming, I suspect. But that's all I've got for news, so should we move on to our main segment? I think we should. Walt Disney Pictures presents The Rocketeer. This is our first Disney Plus vault deep dive where at a regular interval we're going to take a look into one of the maybe overlooked gems that's on Disney Plus that's been uncovered from the vault. And I brought in for this episode The Rocketeer. I've never seen The Rocketeer until last night. I I mean, I've yeah, I've, I've always heard good things about it, and I, I've always wanted to watch it. I just I just never really got around to it. It is so much Indiana Jones, The Mummy. Yeah, it's a very... Movie. Yeah, it's, it's great. There's a lot less rocketeering in it than I thought there was yeah. going to be. <laughs> I thought he gets, like, a gun, like, a special gun at one point. <laughs> like, I, I, I thought it was going to be a little more... Uh, Iron Man-y, but I guess the point was to not have it be that. He was like a symbol or whatever. I've not read the comic book, but I think more stuff like that happens in the comic book. I would definitely watch it. based on the comic book? Yeah, it's based on a series of graphic novels. So yeah, this movie stars Billy Campbell, who never did anything else ever again. I was going to say, he's so much of a a Ryan Reynolds boy in this movie that he could have done anything he wanted in the 90s. I, don't know I what think happened. he has big Brendan Fraser vibes. Yes, I see yes that. exactly. But it's also got Jennifer Connelly, Timothy Dalton, mm. Alan Arkin, John Polito. Great cast. I, yeah, it was really... What's the character's name? The bad guy? The bad guy, Neville Sinclair. Our hero is named Cliff Secord. Both of great names. Neville Sinclair is the best person in this whole movie. <laughs> he is so full of fun. Like, like, he, like in, in this movie, he's an actor... And he's doing a, a movie that is ostensibly just like Princess Bride slash Robin Hood. Yeah, it's a Robin Hood movie. And is he supposed to be based on Errol Flynn? Yeah, he's very clearly based on Errol Flynn, who many people suspect yeah. of being a Nazi spy, so... Well, that is terrible. And the, the famous aviator who is in this movie who makes the jetpack. Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes is in it. it yeah, there's, there's some Leonardo fun... Leonardo yeah, I thought Howard Hughes was supposed to be like a psycho. Why is he, he was, like yeah. pretty psycho? Stark, like uh, building technology against the Nazi stuff. I understand that in the comic books there was a character from a different comic book that was like a Tony Stark esque character mm. that built the jetpack, but then they couldn't license that character for the movie. What the heck? So that they just plopped Howard Hughes in, <laughs> which I think works just fine. No, yeah, it works definitely. There's is. When there's a scene where um, 
there's a model of a plane. The spruce goose. That's yeah. what I thought was the spruce goose. Yes, all right. I got that historical joke. I get, I get things. I thought that was really good. I love Terry O'Quinn. He's John Locke on Lost, most famously, but he's in a lot of really good things. We're really going to have to do a, a Lost catch-up series oh, of episodes, because you talk about Lost so much on this show. I guess it comes up naturally so much on this show. I don't think Lost is worth our time, other than the fact that it has touched so much other cultural stuff from yeah, the last true. decade. You know, All those people in Star Wars and all that. Mm-hmm. J.J. Abrams' entire career, thanks yep. to Lost. Yeah, pretty much. God. We should have seen it coming. We, yeah. <laughs> Truly. Well, it is what it is. Yeah, this this movie, very Indiana Jones, is like the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, like Indiana Jones, The Rocketeer, Nathan Drake, and Brendan Fraser and the Mummy all wear the same outfit of like <laughs> like leather boots, a lot of brown shirt, yeah, a scarf, but like suspenders to go with it, swoopy hair that's too swoopy for the era for sure. Well, now we've got Poe Dameron. Oh uh, yeah. In- it- Rise of Skywalker. Add that in there because it's yeah. the exact same outfit again. We love it though. It looks yeah, I, great. It's every a great time look. I see it, I'm like, this guy's a this guy's a hero type, isn't he? He's <laughs> gonna what'd crack you, wise. What do you guys think of the Rocketeer's outfit? I think it's awesome. I want the helmet. I want the I jacket. Want. <laughs> the jacket was the coolest part of that whole thing for me. Like the whatever you call that. Where All like, the buttons. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. The helmet though, I'd put that on a I'd put that on a shelf. It's an awesome design character. I mean, it's very. Which is why I thought there'd be more Rocketeering yeah. in this movie. I will say some of the effects on the Rocketeering are a little dated. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. My, my little brother was like cracking up on a lot of those green screen parts. I do think the part where he, on his first proper flight, is the Rocketeer when he flies up next to the plane looks really good still. Yeah, I'll, I think I'll that actually that. is really compelling. I, it looks like Iron Man, but. How does he not have, like, third-degree burns all over the back of his legs and ass? Ah, the guy modified it or whatever. <laughs> In my head, I remember them making some kind of comment about him having flame-retarded pants, but nope, that is not in the maybe, movie. Maybe that's just part of the You know, it's my headcanon. He's wearing flame-retarded pants. Yeah, sure, he's, whatever. he's an aviator. He's got stuff like that lying around to, to make sure he doesn't burst into flames. So, this movie follows down-on-his-luck pilot Cliff Secord and his roommate Doc Brown, I mean, sorry, yeah, right? uh, PV, played by Alan PV. Arkin, and he, Cliff, that is, is dating Jennifer Connelly, 20-year-old Jennifer Connelly. I was going to say, is she, like, 13 years old in this movie? Is <laughs> she it, is so young in like this movie. Like, she's very young in this movie. I, I get distracted, I got distracted a lot in this movie with... It, it's 1938. So the U.S. has not entered the war with Germany yet. Right. And the Nazi blimp is on a peace, like a it's world a, peace a, a tour. A world peace tour. <laughs> that. I mean, that was the Hindenburg. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. They made, they made a big point of like how flammable the blimp was <laughs> to make sure, like, don't do anything to it. It'll... Kill everyone. Yeah, yeah, it will. So yeah, Cliff finds a jetpack developed by Howard Hughes and uses it to become a superhero after a older pilot steals an airplane. <laughs> Cliff is supposed to fly a rickety old plane in a clown costume. Oh, But Cliff is yes. a few minutes late, late. So in order to try to save the day, this older 
pilot tries his hand at it, but then of course something goes wrong, and Cliff has to go go save him. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Like like you said, Ricardo, there's not like as much rocketeering as I thought there would be or wanted there to be. But when he does when he does strap that thing on and go at it, it is very fun. Even even with the dated effects, it looks really really good. Well, when he's up on the plane, it looks really good. Yeah, when, because that, yeah. I'm suspecting that they had an actual stuntman strapped to an actual no, plane. Yeah. That's like a thing, like the biplane stunts like that, where you just kind of like screw around on the wings and stuff. There Tom is a Cruise is the Rocketeer. I would watch that remake. No kidding. I think the effects in this movie, other than some of the green screen effects of him flying, are outstanding. No, yeah, like the actual jetpack is like very convincing to me. Like it fe- looks and feels like a jetpack of just like blasting fire. So Neville Sinclair, for unknown reasons, is after the jetpack, but we also have working in his in his stead the mob. <laughs> yeah, the mobs in this And movie. he has like his own Private enforcer Lothar. Oh my oh, god! Oh my god! Is but that actor? Does he look like that? No, Should no, I the actor. That? No. Oh, thank God. <laughs> he's oh. in. He's actually in the stadium during the airplane rescue sequence at the beginning of the movie. Oh, like the out guy with makeup. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad he got his face on screen a little bit. No. Yeah, because I. He's a Dick Tracy villain for no reason. Like he's yeah, just, right. He's yeah. Like, but he's also like the Terminator kind of. He's just like <laughs> unstoppable and so strong. Well, I love it when one of the mobsters points his toppy gun at him and he says, "Relax, Frankenstein. You ain't bulletproof." Yeah, ooh, it's, it's got a lot of good uh, '30s banter stuff like mm-hmm. that. Oh, everything with the mob is fantastic. I love everything <laughs> with the mob. I, I oh, I want to get to the there's the, the end part that is so good that the. Head mobster guy oh, says, yeah, "Who's like part. from the Godfather? Why is that guy a familiar mobster?" To I'll me? I'll look him up real quick. He's like he's in like a serious mob movie where he's like one of the like lieutenant guys. Oh, he's in tons of stuff. Paul he's Sorvino. I forgot mobster. to mention him at the beginning. Paul Sorvino. Yeah, Paul Sorvino. He's in Goodfellas. Okay, yeah, that's what it is. I knew he was in Sea Spot Run. <laughs> he was in what? It's a movie about a dog. No, but Paul Sorvino is wonderful in, in this movie. In this movie specifically, yes. We'll come back to whatever C-spot run. Good God. But what were you saying about Paul Sorvino at the end? Oh, are we just... Because it's a line that kind of goes yeah. into the... I, I mean, I think we have pretty much broken the spoil. I'll just mark this all as spoilers anyway. Yeah, okay, so... If it was not clear already, if you don't want to be spoiled for The yeah. Rocketeer... So, Timothy... Dalton. Dalton. Neville Sinclair. Neville Sinclair is revealed that his motivations for getting the jetpack and at this point kidnapping Jennifer Connelly? Oh, multiple mm-hmm. yeah. kidnapping and attempting to sexually assault Jennifer Connelly. This, yeah. That was also very much Raiders of the Lost Ark for me, where he's like, put on this dress in this Nazi camp in Egypt and mm-hmm. like just be my pretty kidnapped person. But, she's the woman in the 30s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What was she? There's, there's, a, there's a great fight scene with Lothar, uh, I think, in the, the Hindenburg, or later in the movie, and 
there's like a million opportunities for Jennifer Connelly to do anything to help, and she's just she's damseling it up in the corner, you know, like you have to, and as a woman in the 30s or whatever. I will say this movie does give her a little bit more agency than a lot of movies of its ilk do. Yeah. Because I like her line where she gets to say like, "Oh, I finally did a scene with like Neville Sinclair." Oh yeah, that was good too. Yeah, because she like tricks him. She makes him think that she's seducing him, but she hits him over the head with a vase. Which happens twice in this movie? Doesn't she, like, hit multiple people over the head? There's with... a lot of Oz in this movie. Yeah, I love that. I love oh, that. because she hits somebody else over the head with a statue in the yeah, club. That's right, yeah. yes. See, she does stuff. Yeah, she does stuff. I don't know what I'm talking She saves about. the Rocketeer's life more than once. That's true. I'll give you that. But, um... Good lord, where was I even going? Um, oh yeah, Neville I Sinclair. I may be a mobster scumbag, but I'm an American mobster Yeah, he just says like, I'm 100% American, and it's like all the mobsters turn their guns on the Nazis, and the and the revealed Sinclair is a Nazi spy thing, and it's... Wants to give Nazis jetpacks. Yeah, oh, they fly now. Oh god, <laughs> don't even... Give me that. Ugh. What did you guys think of the really descriptive newsreel thing that Howard Hughes shows our hero? Are you talking about the like propaganda of uh-huh. Nazis, <laughs> jet Nazis taking over everything? I honestly love that. That would have scared me in the 30s. I would have been all on board. <laughs> but I love that the mobsters and the FBI team up to kill the Nazis. Yeah, it's my it's favorite like thing. Super cheesy, but it's a pulp movie. I'll give it that. Yeah, it's, it's totally within its bounds to be like... It's like first, it's like the mobsters with the Nazis. Then the Rocketeer shows up. Then it's the Rocketeer and the mobsters. And then the FBI shows up. And it's the FBI and the mobsters and the Rocketeer versus the other Nazis. And it's, uh, if there were so many Nazis out of nowhere, he just yeah, screams all... in German and they all come out of the woods. Oh, wait, does, does Sinclair have like a weird pseudo yeah, accent? He does. I completely forgot this. It, it's probably been 10 years since I'd seen this movie. <laughs> it's so weird. And I'd completely forgotten that after he reveals himself to be a Nazi spy, he also starts doing a German accent. But it's like... A German accent said through an English accent, so it's like really broken and weird, and it's in English still, so it just makes no sense. It's very funny. I think it's he, fun. He, I, you can only hear it in his voice for like a couple lines, mm-hmm. enough for you to go like, is he speaking? And then you just kind of you, you let it pass, and then it's it's over. Mm-hmm. They have a really good setup, callback, payoff in. <laughs> The gum. Oh, yeah, the gum thing. So throughout the movie, every time that Cliff is going to fly a plane, he sticks a little bit of gum on the tail for luck. And then once he starts flying the jetpack, he starts sticking it on the jetpack. But then later, after a bullet hits the fuel and the fuel starts leaking, they use the gum to cover it up. But then at the end... What happened, Seamus? There's a great, there's a great, it's between Lothar's back, right? Isn't that with him? Where he's like trying to hand off the jetpack. No, Lothar, he's already disposed of Lothar, right? Lothar is like tethered to the Zeppelin. Oh yeah, he's tethered to the side of the Zeppelin, which, ooh, I loved how they finished that. But yeah, he sneaks off the gum and it starts leaking again and... Sinclair tries to escape the Zeppelin. It almost is like a wily coyote, like caught in the air in my mind, where he explodes into fire and like falls to the falls to the earth, 
crushing the land portion of the Hollywood land sign. <laughs> Another kind of like Forrest Gumpy, like, look at this historical thing. But I, I, I really like that. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was very funny. And of course, Lothar again is the only name I'm gonna remember. <laughs> but he's tethered to the top, and he makes it come back, and they're all running to the edge of the zeppelin as it's exploding, and he gets like yanked back because he can't get the belt off. And a lot of people burn to death in this movie. A lot of a lot Nazis. of people burn to death in this movie, including the one in the real footage that Howard Hughes shows them when they're testing their jetpack. <laughs> Oh god, is that one Nazi just straight up explodes? Oh yeah, god, yeah, that like was like a combat Carl from Toy Story One. <laughs> god, combat Carl. Oh man, and, uh, who owns the rights to the Rocketeer right now? Disney. It's Disney. on Disney Plus. Cross them over. I was gonna bring that well, up. Of like, why not? Well, Joe Johnston directed this movie, and exactly. because of this movie, he got to direct Captain America: The First Avenger. Just make Wait, them for say. real? For real. The final shot of Captain America, the first Avenger, is kids pretending to be Captain America. And the oh final shot of this movie is kids pretending to be the Rocketeer. I forgot about that. That's that's great. I was a little sad at the end there that I guess the jetpack blows up and Howard Hughes just gives him a brand new airplane. Well, but They set him up for a sequel where no, Jennifer yeah, Connelly... She has the plans for the jetpack hidden away. Ooh. I, and I Alan thought, Arkin's got all the plans about how to make the jetpack better. I thought Howard Hughes Jennifer was going to finally get the jetpack. <laughs> well, that would be amazing. I watched that movie. Isn't that kind of the follow-up show that's airing now? Is there, the daughter? A, oh, of, is that already out? No, it's about to come out. Oh, it's about to come out. And I believe what the deal is is that it's set in the modern day, so it's Cliff's granddaughter, and. Billy Campbell is voicing his own character's son. And so, that's the... I like that. I, I like a good legacy like that. And if it's... Is it like a super little kids show? Yeah, it's a super little kids ah, show. I will not mind. be watching it. <laughs> oh, man. That's a shame. It's they like a Paw Patrol. Like a Star Wars Rebels level Rocketeer show? I would watch that. Maybe in ten years, after all the kids who love it now grow up with Oh them. yeah, they'll be like, yeah, I remember the Rocketeer in 2020. They'll be like, what are you talking about? God. <laughs> I'd like to get my hands on some of those comics, some of those graphic novels. Oh, yeah, I think it would be nice to We should have looked around here out. before we started recording to see if they had any. We're in the graphic novel section. That is true. We are in the recording booth, right? Or, well... The study room. Study room. In a room. <laughs> a dirty, ugly room. There are shoe soles over there. <laughs> it was covered in garbage when we walked in. It's great. Nah, it's a free room. We didn't have to do anything for it. That's it's true. Literally, get. they didn't even hold my ID, which it says on the website they're supposed to. I propose a rating system for our Disney Plus vault. Oh. Do we say take it out of the vault, or do we say keep it in the vault? As in, like, which one is bad? If, if Are we, we like removing it? No, forever, no, or like taking it out. If we like it, if we like it, take it out of the vault and bring it out into the sunshine and share it with the world. And if we don't like it, we put it back we, in the vault. We, <laughs> bury it on the other top the titles on Disney Men, Plus. Just like Raiders ending. I keep bringing up Indiana Jones, but it, it works. You bury it in the sea of wooden crates. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I like this rating system. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and kick it off and say, take take it out of the vault. More than that, bring it into new stuff more than just a little kid's show. I think the world is ready for the Rocketeer again. Agreed. I mean, yeah, bring it out. I, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. Mobsters and Nazis 
fighting each other. This is the movie America needs right now. So I think so. Take it out of the vault. Captain America's gone. The Rocketeer is back. I would really like them to release... Well, next year is the 30th anniversary. They did a 20th anniversary Blu-ray release, which was nothing. It was literally just mm. an HD version of the movie, and that was it. And I'd really like them to do one where they... Like a proper, nice... Mm-hmm. Comes with a, with a box that looks like the helmet or the jetpack or something. Criterion, where you at? Criterion, where are you at you, with that Rocketeer? Have you seen the incredible poster for this movie? I, I don't know if I have. Because the poster that they use for all the home video releases is a terrible poster. Oh no. It's just like a, just like the head, like floating head poster. I've already posted this on Twitter actually, Ooh. so if you go back and look a couple tweets ago, we already tweeted out this photo because it was the one I used to promote this episode. The suspense is killing me. This was the original theatrical release poster. That's awesome. That. That's yeah. super dope. I definitely have seen that in the past without like any context. It's very cool. It reminds me of like, uh, what is that? That's like World's Fair oh, style. Very World's Fair. Like, very 30s. Yeah, very exhibition. Like, come one, come all, come see the Rocketeer. It's, I it's love it cool. so much. My parents have a vintage one from when it was in the theater. That's rolled awesome. up in a closet and I want to get it framed. Oh, yeah. That's not on display. You got to bring that out of the vault, man. You got to bring that out. All right. Do we have any final thoughts on The Rocketeer before we move on? Two, two thumbs up. It's on Disney+. Plus. Check it out. The Rocketeer soars, says the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Travers of Rolling Stone raves. Yeah, then re-release it in the theaters. That's all. I would love that. I would yeah, go. that'd be fun. Let's move on to Where's Riley? Seamus, I accidentally already showed you this text message. Ricardo, where's Riley? By the way, I already uh, forgot. I <laughs> right, it's the holiday. He's probably at home. You couldn't think of anything more. By the more. fireplace. You can't think of anything more interesting than that, Ricardo. Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> By a fireplace for some reason. He is at his girlfriend's house in Glenview, Illinois. And he wanted me to note that that's not to be confused with Glencoe, Illinois, where they shot the exterior shots of the McAllister house in Home Alone. It was important to him that I mentioned okay. that. Our, our viewers need to be herded into, I mean, listeners, our listeners need to be herded into a very specific view of where Riley's girlfriend's village is. Today's pop culture reference is the pulp film, also sometimes referred to as the genre film, I think more commonly now which is a movie that takes a genre that's generally considered schlockier, so adventure, science fiction, horror, and adapting that into a film. The Rocketeer is a great example of an adventure pulp film, The Mummy, Indiana Jones, but you also have movies like, I mean, Star Wars yeah, would Star have Wars considered a pulp film. Flash Gordon, which is just Star Wars again. Yeah. Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. It's that just is, the Rocketeer, yeah. but if he still had a plane. So it's another pulp one. I love pulp films. Most of my favorite movies, honestly, are pulp films. They're, they're usually the ones that you come out of not thinking like, oh, that is like, needs all the awards, but like you have a lot of fun watching them. It's, it's a, usually an incredibly just enjoyable experience, and that's why I like them a lot. They are also usually sillier, more yeah. violent, have more sex than your average film, which is because they were based on Pulp Fiction novels, which you may recognize is where Tarantino got the name of his pulpy uh, 
fiction. Yeah. Mm, whatever. No, I didn't like that at all. It's a crime movie. Yeah. Yeah, crime movies often are very pulpy. All right. Let's move on to Mando Bros. I'm excited for this one, guys. This is... Um, I've been watching all these episodes alone as they come out because I, I don't... I'm not living with anyone who's, like, caught up or, like, has the need to feel caught up every time there's an episode. So sitting alone and, like, tearing up at a Star Wars <laughs> show, like, early in the morning when it came out felt weird, but it felt so appropriate because this episode was incredible. Yeah, I think this so is a good. really great episode. They, they set up... An incredible season finale in the first part of this two-part thing here. Yeah, it really is a two-part finale. Yeah, I, I, it, it feels like that a lot. And they they did everything that you could have asked for, really. everything. It, it felt emotionally, like, real. Sometimes you kind of disassociate emotions with some Star Wars stuff because it seems like a lot in an already, you know, fantastical universe that you sometimes can't take super seriously, but this season finale of The Mandalorian was, like, over the top. Everything was great. Well, when we last left our heroes, everybody was pinned down in the cantina where Werner Herzog just got shot to the chest. Got everything in his chest blown out the back. Quill has been killed by scout troopers on speeder bikes. Quill and the Blurgs. (laughs) <laughs> my, new, my new metal band based in the Star Wars Cantina universe. And now the scout troopers have Baby Yoda. Great cold open, by the way, with hey, the scout troopers. Yeah, let's talk about it. Adam Pally and Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, yeah what a, scout troopers. That, I, I wish I'd hang hanging out, punching babies. <laughs> yeah, they have a baby. They're like, uh, I, I like this bit that they're like waiting to go back because they don't want to make uh, Gideon angry because he keeps yeah. just killing his the the people who were questioning him. Very Vader esque. Very Vader esque. They keep like radioing back like, "Is it okay yet?" And they're like, "Well, he just killed another officer for speaking up, so maybe wait a minute." And Moff Gideon being Giancarlo Esposito as showing up at the end of the last episode. Yeah, he's so good in this show, and he's only been in it for two episodes who knows a lot about our heroes. Oh, yeah. God, he reveals quite a bit about a lot of the main characters. Yeah, we get Mando's name. Yes, we do. Oh, we get a lot more than his name in this episode. Din Jaren. Din. I can remember Din. Yeah, I'm still going to call him Mando. I'll call him Mando. I, I just like the nickname Mando. It feels right. But the scout troopers get, uh... You know, caught off guard by IG-11. Oh, yeah. The it's... true MVP of this episode. Yeah, <laughs> really? oh my god. Like I said, I was watching it alone, and when they start, like, wailing on the bag that Baby Yoda is in before IG-11 shows up, I, like, I had, like, a knee-jerk, like, I sat up, and I verbally out loud, I was like, no! What? <laughs> what is no? You can't punch a Muppet! Yeah, I was I was horrified watching that. I That's why I was like... I was, like, rubbing my hands together, like, someone is going to come along in a second and destroy these guys, and I'm not going to feel bad. And oh. Real quick, I like the, the visual, like, they can't shoot. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was that also was really very funny. funny add-in. 
thought it was interesting that they were scout troopers that couldn't hit anything. But IG-11 shows up, and Ricardo's prediction was right. I love it. It gave me what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, oh IG-11, my god. IG-11, baby Bjorn, dual wielding. <laughs> Which I... I <laughs> on mean, a speeder bike. On a speeder bike, it's... I don't remember if you said that prediction on air or if I agreed with it, which I probably did because that sounded awesome from the beginning, but I definitely thought of you when it's like, he does, he's doing a lot more of that like spinny rotation body head, like no look, going so fast through this town. It just, I love it when he speeds past the Jawa and the Stormtrooper and the Jawa's just confused. <laughs> yeah. God. He's shooting all the stormtroopers through town, and then we get a great action sequence out in the area outside the cantina with IG-11, Carl Weathers, Kara, and the Mandalorian all taking down stormtroopers. Yeah, it's like a honest-to-goodness western shootout. The mm-hmm. Spanish army showed up, it and was fantastic. It was I so loved it. good. Mando's name was revealed. It was revealed that uh, Kara, the shock trooper, is Kara something of Alderaan, which yes, is a pretty big reveal. Alderaan. It's Mando and Baby Yoda, regardless of when they name him next season. We and... had the Mandalorian's face. They took the helmet off. Yes, IG-11. He permits IG-11 to remove his helmet to heal him because IG-11 is not a living thing. Yeah, and he's really talking him around like, you're being stupid, let me spray you with Bacta in the head. <laughs> so Bacta is not just a thing that you immerse yourself in a tank no, of. It could just be any, it could be a syringe or a spray, it doesn't matter. I guess it was somewhere in Pedro Pascal's, like, contract. My face has to be in there at some point. Yeah. Well, I mean. I'm surprised that it was not more of a reveal, it was just Pedro Pascal under there. Me too, I was expecting, like, a different guy. I was expecting an alien or, uh, like, maybe, like, half of his face would be, like, cybernetic or something like that. But something that makes me happy is that they're using it for storytelling and not for shock value mystery box stuff. Is that now that he's more comfortable with droids, that he's opening himself up to other people, that is when he's allowing his helmet to come off. And I like that he still has his little mustache. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that he me too. For some reason, trims even though he doesn't show his face to anybody. <laughs> it's for him. It's for himself. Yeah, I, I thought that myself, Ricardo. <laughs> like we kind of brushed over how epic this gunfight was, where he like picks up the big machine gun mm-hmm. laser, and you know they kind of get re-cornered again in back in the bar, but they really do take out a lot of stormtroopers. And then they escape into the sewers where all of the Mandalorians have been wiped out. Yeah, they find that pile of the gilded armor, which is pretty... It's a bummer. It's a bummer to see. And the only... I legit gasped when I saw it. I was like, oh no. (laughs) Yeah, I was... I was kind of expecting... Oh, I mean, they did mention in that scene, like, yeah, some people escaped, a lot Mm -hmm. of them didn't. I'm hoping we see... That heavy guy. Oh, we'll see him. We would have seen his helmet if we weren't going to see him. Yeah, that's true. I I like that guy a lot. But the only Mandalorian left in the sewers is the Mandalorian blacksmith who is creating new Beskar out of the discarded helmet. she's salvaging what she can from all the dead Mando armor. And she gives the Mandalorian a new signet, that of the Mudhorn. Yeah. That was the real emotional bit. What, what did she she said like like clan of two? You, yeah. Until then you are acting like as his father. You were a clan of two, and it's just, oh. Yeah. So, Baby Yoda is a foundling. Baby Yoda is a Mandalorian. Yeah, he could. 
we could potentially, depending on how many seasons we get, little baby Mando Yoda. Well, which begs the question, who is the Mandalorian in the title? Is it Dinjarin oh. or is it Baby Yoda? Oh my god, oh, I love it. We're gonna get Baby Yoda, little, <laughs> little Muppet Baby, in full Mandalorian armor. Imagine that little goofball with a jetpack with his ears sticking out of the helmet. Are you kidding me? That's, I, a, that's a Funko Pop right there. I'm just saying, if Din Djarin gets killed, who's gonna step up and be the new Mandalorian? That's the question. And Din Djarin, he's Baby Yoda's father, he gets the signet, the clan of two, Baby Yoda's gonna be Mandalorian, and he gets his jetpack. He does get his jetpack, another great reveal. Ah, oh, yeah, I, I was afraid they were gonna milk that a little bit with the whole, like, I gotta get me one of those line, and it was gonna be like, Maybe next season thing. where we, yeah, you just like keep seeing stuff like that. But I'm so glad they, they got that. And in the scene right after that, it was one of my other favorite parts. I think that female like clan leader is the armorer, I want to say is her actual name, is the Mandalorian yeah. armorer. And she gets one of the most brutal action sequences I've seen on this show. Such oh my a god. god. Beatdown of like, she has like two, like, uh, welding smithing tools that she just wails like breaks eye visors and like bones breaking arms sends one straight into the molten yes that was such a good i was hoping she was gonna do that and i wailing on this guy on the floor with a hammer you could see bits of armor flying off but we get their escape they're going to escape through the lava river and now, the real MVP well, of this episode. The best line in this whole series so far is when they get to the lava river and they look at this river of flowing lava, and Carl Weathers goes, That's the lava river. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice that. That's so funny. Oh, Carl Weathers. I hope we see more of him later. But back to my real MVP of this episode. The best new character of any Star Wars. Arms and legs are two <laughs> unit. Gondola unit. I want I want that droid's operating number so I can request him as a I black don't. series. I just so want to keep calling him arms and legs are two DTs. I went on the Reddit after I watched that episode and everyone's posts were like, This droid is gonna give me nightmares. Like I was so scared when I saw this, but I was like, "Well, it's such a good reveal because he's covered in all this rubble, and you don't even think he works." And then when they get the gondola going, he's like, and they're like, "Oh, great, an R two unit," and then he stands. It was almost like they were surprised. That that has to be like an established thing in universe where that's not like the one and only arms and legs unit. (laughs) Well, maybe it is. Maybe it's just a retrofitted R two unit. I like to think they can all do that. They just just one chooses to have arms and legs. That's so funny. I wanna yeah, I wanna see like that kind of robot as the next quirky robot side character in a Star Wars story movie, because you know they can't not have one. So make it make it that guy. Make him be able to talk. With the entrance of one quirky robot oh, no. brings the passing of another. Yeah, this is uh a lot of ups and downs in the seat. I was I was riding that arms and legs robot high until IG-11 lays out his plan for survival, for at least uh, Baby Yoda's survival, which is what he's you know calculating for. They realize that waiting at the end of the tunnel is an entire battalion of stormtroopers that they are sitting Minox and they're going to be destroyed the second they get outside that tunnel. So IG-11's plan of action 
is to walk through the lava river and self-destruct. His directives let him, like, if he's damaged enough, he can blow up, ensuring the survival of Baby Yoda and everybody on the, on the gondola slowly, slowly getting towards the entrance. Yep. And I guess Mando gets over his droid racism. Yeah, I, yep. think, I think with the whole, like, revealing his face to IG-11, he got a lot more of, like, a understanding and appreciation. And probably um, with Queel being gone, he kind of took to heart, like, droids are, what was it? It was droids are just a reflection of whoever programmed them. So I think he started to kind of... Yeah, I think part of it is him dealing with Queel's death and not yeah. wanting to let IG-11 go, the last part of Queel that he has. I'm not sad. Yes, I'm not sad. Yes, you are. I, but what does he say? I'm like a nurse droid. I analyzed your voice. Like, you can't hide from me, Mando. I know you're crying under that helmet. But IG-11 may have saved them from the stormtroopers, but there's still one, one baddie left. Oh yeah, they make Gus it to the end. Spring in space. Exactly. He Gus Spring in a TIE fighter and his custom I don't even know if we talked about it last week. His awesome like folding wing TIE fighter. TIE fighter. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. He gets back in that bad boy and he's he's zeroed in on him pretty well. It's it's they're kinda screwed. They keep trying to, you know, take pop shots with their blasters, but uh we get it we get a very intense, very cool sequence right here. Where the Mandalorian Bursts with his jetpack up Where into he the rocketeers. sky. Yep. Yeah, he rocketeers. A lot of good rocketeering in we this. We do have a lot of good rocket content th- this week, and mm-hmm. uh, it's an awesome. It's he he's utilizing his like wire thing, his like uh, his grappling hook. his grappling hook wire out of his wrist a lot in this show, which I think is like the coolest. And he kind of drags himself behind this TIE fighter for a while, trying to screw with Gus Fring. Very Indiana Jones. Very Indiana Jones. And he downs this TIE fighter. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> once again, he uses one of those, like, uh, sticky mine bomb things to... The Han and Chewie detonators. Yeah, the Han and Chewie detonators, sure. He uses that to blow the wing off of uh, Gideon's ship, and yeah, his, his ship crashes in the distance, but not with a fiery explosion, very specifically. Mm-hmm. Car Weathers and Car are going to stay behind, and Mando and Baby Yoda are off to bury Queel and go off into space. I'm, I'm going to find his people. Yeah, his, it seems like the whole setup now given by the Armorer is to go find the origins of the Yoda species, mm-hmm. which is like a lot bigger of a thing than I'm and sure. Still don't realizes. know why the John Carlos Bizzito even wants Baby Yoda. Yeah, we don't it's know what they're cloning. Him. They're cloning him. It's for cloning. Oh, we'll see. We'll he's, see. He's, he's <laughs> biological son. You figure it out. You don't know how this season is reproduced. But we get one final reveal this season. Oh, I stood up on my two feet when I saw this reveal. We get we get some scavengers coming to the old Tie Fighter. Some Jawas. So, oh, I hate I hate Jawas so much. God. But not only is this shot incredible, it's just a gorgeous looking shot. Yeah. But Moff Gideon is in possession of the Darksaber. The Darksaber just cuts a healthy square through the... I don't know what that means. (laughs) It is important, we can tell you that much. It's from Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars The Clone Clone Wars. Wars. There is one Darksaber in existence, and it was the weapon of the first Mandalorian who became a Jedi. 
Hmm. Yeah, and that's actually the second, I think with this last episode, they do the full flashback of his mm-hmm. parents' death, and we get to see... we Not only we get the Darksaber, which is like insane to see in live action, because it also just looks cool, but the Death Watch saves That's true. Din, and like they're the ones who find him as a foundling and like bring him into the Mandalorian clan, so... We're really digging into the to the old lore of the Mandalorians, and I am very, very happy with all of it. Filoni has really established his own set of rules in the yeah. Star Wars universe. Honestly, I think in 30 years we're going to look back on Dave Filoni with having as much influence in the world building of the Star Wars universe as somebody like George Lucas. I agree, and I hope so, because he, whenever he gets the reins, everything he touches turns into absolute gold. So I'm I'm all for it. I cannot wait for fall 2020 when The Mandalorian comes back on Disney+. Plus. Oh, is that set? Is that like yep. a visual? Fall yeah. 2020 yeah, yeah, yeah. season nice. two. John Favreau tweeted it out, but <clears throat> don't think we're done with our weekly recaps yet because literally next week, oh my God. The Good Place comes back. So Very excited. Hella's other podcasters will be back for like a few episodes. Yeah, And then we'll have our own. It's not the finale? It's not the finale. No, oh. we, have set, we have three or four weeks left. Cool. And then okay. we're going to do our special finale Good Place episode where we will only be talking about the Good Place finale. Yeah, good one. We'll so be, we'll be counting down our favorite gags. But for next week's episode, we'll be breaking down the new mid-season, the, mid-season the first episode start. after the mid-season yeah. break for the Good Place. So tune in for that next week for our next Hell is Other Podcasters. And real quick, before we completely detach from The Mandalorian, I just want to hear just one good guess. Just a good prediction of where you think this is headed past the idea of trying to get Baby Yoda home. Like, I want to hear, like, another thing akin to arms and legs robot showing up. <laughs> just, like, something crazy. I think we're going to get into the origins of the First Order. I think that's the end game for the show. Oh, that's right. I read somewhere that they're gonna start introducing like established characters into this. Which I hope they don't do that, but I at least I hope they do it well. Don't don't <laughs> ruin this. Admiral Holdo season, guys. <laughs> Get ready. I think Holdo is a character that would actually be interesting to. That would be in. a little more you know, backstory. Or but... like Poe Dameron's parents, Ooh, who are in the cool. comics but aren't in the movies. So yeah, stuff like that, I'd be more than happy with because I th- I think that's definitely like. Later down the line, but I it has to end with like. I swear to God, if Palpatine's in this one too, <laughs> yes, get Ian McDermott back. I mean, hey, they already corporate synergized with the Force healing stuff. So yeah. anyway, let's save the Rec Center, guys. So I'll go ahead and go first on my save the Rec Center. I just saw a couple days ago Little Women, the no new kidding. Greta Gerwig film with Saoirse Ronan, Emma Watson, Laura Dern, Florence Pugh. All of them. Go, go nuts. All, all the women, and they're tiny. All of Every all single one. real little. I've never read it, which oh. I cannot believe I'd never read it because it's one of my mom's favorite books. But it's a really wonderful film. Saoirse Ronan is incredible in it. She playing the lead character, mm-hmm. Joe. It's on 35mm at the Music Box in Chicago mm-hmm. and the Oriental in Milwaukee until January 9th. If that's something that interests anybody, I highly recommend you go. I did not get to see it in 35 I just went to see it at Marcus, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, I'm sure it would look gorgeous. It was shot on 35mm film. Timothy Chalamet, he's in there. You know, Chris Cooper. I really recommend it. I went in expecting to like it. I thought it was fantastic, though. Wow. All right. We may have to get up in there. Seamus, what's your rec center? My rec center this week, I'm keeping it 
I can't get enough Star Wars these days, boys. Let me tell you, I got Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order for Christmas, and it's the best Star Wars game I've played in ages. God, it's like almost a mix between like if Dark Souls met Uncharted in the Star Wars universe. If that doesn't sell it for you, I don't know what will, because it's just like everything's fantastic. It is canon in universe, which is I interesting. That, yeah. So if you really are trying to keep up with everything in the new canon, give it a shot for more than just that, because it's fantastic. I hear you get to go to the planet that will someday become Starkiller Base in that game. Is that planet get I did name? not know that. Well, I don't oh, maybe, I don't maybe think I've been there already and I don't even know. I don't think it's part of the plot that it's going to be Starkiller uh -huh. Base, but I've heard that like that's an in-canon thing. I, I will say there are a couple familiar planets you get to explore. I don't even want to go into too far into which ones, but I will say, Ricardo, if you have any more interest in the Night Sisters, check it out. They make appearances. It's very cool. Yeah, that's what I got. Ricardo, what, what's, what's on your rec center this week? Uh, Y'all remember Mouse Hunt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember Mouse Hunt. How good is Mouse Hunt? It's a 90s movie about Nathan Lane and I forget the actor that plays his brother in the movie. Lee Evans, I want to say. And it's basically just live action Tom and Jerry. It's two brothers, they inherit a house and they're trying to renovate it because it's worth a lot of money. Because it's the missing LaRue, this very, you know, pish posh architecture relic, but there's there's a mouse in it and they gotta get rid of the mouse if they wanna sell the house and then shenanigans ensue. It's it, very silly. It's just it's a fun slapstick cartoon. Am I misremembering this movie or is there something in the will? where they have to get rid of a mouse before they can, like, move into it? Or am I crazy? No, it's just they get the house through a will. Like, their it's, dad dies and leaves them this old junk house. <laughs> it's definitely a weird movie, but I remember it being absolutely hilarious. I saw it a long time ago, and I remember loving it. It's Nathan Lane is fantastic in everything he's in, but this especially, <laughs> he just plays a scumbag, and he's hilarious. Nathan Lane is perhaps best at playing a scumbag out of all of his roles. All right, well, that's been our opener for season two. Again, sorry about the echo, but in a couple weeks, that'll all be gone. Hopefully, for next week, we'll be able to find a different place to record that won't sound like this, but we'll see. Let all acquaintance be forgotten Seamus, the richest man in the Chicago Public Library. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>